What an exciting mission we are on at Calvary Baptist Church. Yes, I am a Trekkie fan, but do I have some Trekkie fans with me? All right, there we go. Not many of you, wow. But only the old Trek, right? Only the old Trek? Yes, right. You can't improve upon the old. It just, just can't be beaten, but we are on a great mission together, and uh, frankly, um, I think it's true that we are called upon to seek out strange new opportunities, to, to find new life that will become new faith communities in Christ, and to perhaps boldly go where no one, politically correct, the new generation, has gone before. And so that's our call and our mission. The question is, what will it take to do that? I want to uh, uh, turn your attention this morning to the book of Joshua as we begin our study in the in this book, this amazing adventure. This is the next generation, the Pepsi generation, which not that, that won't mean too much to many of you who are in here, but for us old dogs, there was a time when the Pepsi generation, remember that, Mark? You don't remember, you're too young. But the Pepsi generation was the next generation. And that's, uh, that's uh, what we're looking at as Joshua is handed over the torch from Moses, the great prophet, the great leader of God. Can you imagine being given that assignment to follow up and lead after Moses. But that was the assignment that was handed to Joshua. And God gave him this, this uh, uh, scripture text. He gave him this word of courage as he would boldly go where the previous generation had not gone because they were wandering around in the wilderness. Our Father and our God, as we look into your word this morning, we know you have a message from your mouth to our hearts. And I pray that distractions and um, uh, a hard-heartedness would evaporate that we might be people who are open to the work of God in our lives, that we listen to you carefully for the purposes of applying your word. Father, um, we always have a new and fresh and exciting and risky and dangerous assignment in the kingdom of God. But we are told to be strong and courageous, to be bold, to fear not. So, Father, thank you for telling us today why we don't have to fear. I pray that you'll burn it into our hearts. Although it won't be new to virtually anyone here, I'm sure, it's a good reminder because we so often shrink back in fear. So, Father, you've called us to go big with courage. And I pray that you would show us in these next few moments from your word how that can be possible, for ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said, Joshua was given quite an amazing assignment to lead these people. And if your, your Bibles are open in Joshua chapter 1, I want to read with you the first nine verses. Joshua 1, verse 1 to 9. After the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea, on the west, or the Mediterranean. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. 
Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isn't that an amazing commission from God? What a great passage of scripture that is to launch out in our Go Big series. You see, Joshua was now given the assignment to go into the promised land that had been offered to them. And uh, having Moses as the leader, the people rebelled against the teachings of Moses and uh, the will of God and had been wandering around in that wilderness for some 40 years, never attaining what God had promised for them to have. And now was the time for them to go and get their inheritance. Now, I want you to know that, that the first five verses really are that. It's a call from God, go now and get your inheritance. You've been wandering around long enough, frustrated in the wilderness. Go and have all that God wants you to have. Now, I want to say this morning that that we take a, a fast forward into our own lives and say, well, I'm not sure I can identify with wandering around geographically in some sort of wilderness in the uh, ancient Near East. Well, wait a second. When we're talking about going and getting your inheritance and all that God wants you to have, there are a lot of Christians who are spiritually frustrated today because they know in their hearts that, they, that, that there's something missing, that they haven't acquired all that Christ has for them. They know that they're saved. They know that they've been following Jesus Christ. But they know that they haven't embraced all the spiritual blessings that are available for them. There's frustrations. There's insecurities. There's fear. There's discouragements. There's a lack of behavioral transformation that is promised. Freedom from sin seems to be stalled and not gaining traction. And this text is a word from the Lord to you this morning to say, go get your inheritance. Go and have all that God wants you to have. Don't hold back. God is something great for those who go and get it. Now, when we're talking about inheritance in the Old Testament, we're talking in terms of defining the word about a a place of rest and security. And in the Old Testament context, that was geographically located in the land of Canaan or the promised land. It was to be the place where they would go and under the theocracy of the living God, know what it was to live with the law of God and to to have God as their king and and to have their enemies shut out from around them and to, to prosper and grow successful. But in the New Testament context, we still see that word inheritance, but it's not a geographic location. It's not a place. It's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And if you move forward in your Bibles to 1 Peter, he writes a letter, and in his first chapter, he identifies the word inheritance and talks about what it is in the New community context, the new covenant context. He talks about, uh, in verse 3 and on, Praise be to the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy. He has given us new birth 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance, there's our, our word, that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And so he talks about, of course, our eternal inheritance whereby we come to know Christ as personal Lord and Savior and he promises us that we have this inheritance in eternity waiting for us that can't be taken away from us. But he goes on to talk about the, the full aspects of the inheritance are not just then... But now and then, he, he talks about the greatness of salvation and, and what salvation means. And he says that even though you're going to go through a lot of trials now and suffering and challenges, God is testing your faith and, and strengthening you and, and enabling you to acquire all that it means to have the fullness of Christ. He goes on to say in verse 10, concerning this salvation or your inheritance... The prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come have searched intently and with the greatest care and have passed this on to you and have taught you of the truth of Christ. And then he says in verse 13, Therefore, in light of having all of that, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Christ is revealed. And as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Down in verse 22, we're to purify ourselves by obeying the truth so that you with sincere love for your brothers love one another deeply from the heart. And so he goes on and on and says, this inheritance of salvation that you now presently have, you have an immense number of spiritual blessings that, that are there for you for the taking, which will lead to transformational behavior which will lead to, to, uh, to, to the full freedom from the sin that, that so used to grip you and, and, and is presently your challenge and struggle. It will lead to a, a heart that is, that is fully in love with your brothers and sisters and you wouldn't do anything to hurt them. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a passion that you have to know that, that, I, that what my soul is thirsting for, I am acquiring in its fullness and that thirst is for Christ. And God is saying to us, go and get that. He wants us all to have that. Finding through spiritual blessing the fullness and sufficiency of Christ as an end to the restless search of our souls. We are invited to acquire the fire of Christ. His presence in your life now and forevermore. Until we stand face to face with him. To no longer be stranded in the wilderness spiritually. Afraid. Terrified. Worried about danger and risk. Not wanting to take any steps to go forward. So there's a key question, a couple of key questions that I want to laser our attention on this morning. That need to be answered so that we can overcome our tendency to cave into our fallenness. Our fallenness leads us back to fears and discouragements and a settling on go small in life. And so um, as I was looking at this text to introduce and open up our series in Joshua fully, those questions are how does the man or woman of God 
boldly go where no one has gone before? What's it going to take? Or some of you are saying, hey, you know, wait a second. I'm not sure I want to go boldly where no one has ever gone before, but I'd be quite content to go where lots of people have gone before and found a fullness in Christ. Well then, what's it going to take for that? That you will acquire and know that you have the fullness of Christ in your life and, and are enjoying every spiritual blessing. In, in so many ways, we, we know the Great Commission. Go and, and, and teach those who are lost. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. We know about that. And we shrink back with fears. What's it going to take to do that? How does courage happen? As I was looking at this, um, this text, it was really easy to, to um, ascertain the theme of the sermon. I mean, when God says it to you in a text three times, you have to be really thick if you don't get it. So as I was looking at it, I was like, okay, Lord, I get it. We're to be strong and courageous, right? Who, who doesn't get that? As we, as we read through there this morning, that, that as you launch into a go big life, the one thing that we are commanded at the front end of the go big adventure is be strong and courageous. He says the second time, be strong and very courageous. And then he says again, be strong and courageous. So it was really easy for me this morning to say, hey, you know what? The theme of the sermon is to be courageous and strong. And nicely, um, the structure is really easily laid out too because there's three things that say do not. So, you know, I always love when the Lord writes his word in such a way that's really good for preaching. Don't you love that, Keith? You can look at that thing and say, thank you, Lord. You just laid out the sermon really easy for me. This is great. And so I want to take you there this morning and say, I just want to give you two major points that come out of this text, a couple of sub points. But, but let's go on this journey to understand how courage happens. Now, um, if I were teaching um, a class of those who were going to be... Um, I suppose, ordained into the ministry of leadership, I would, I would say, well, the first strong and courageous in verse uh, 6 is you've got to be strong and courageous because you've got to lead a bunch of people. But not many of us are going to be called into leadership of a bunch of people, but we are called to be strong and courageous, all of us. And so let me, let me move forward to the second strong and courageous in verse 7 that says, be very strong, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. He tells us this, that courage happens when you know you are doing it by the book. There are two elements that we want to look at that, but basically he's saying when you are operating your life according to the book. That's when you know that you can have in your emotional toolkit strength and courage. You know that you are listening to the word of God. You are moving forward according to the directions of God. The call on our lives here then, of course, by way of elements is he says, first of all, don't turn to the left or the right. I mean, how am I supposed to live by the book? He says, well, don't turn to the left or the right. You're to laser your life on the precise directives of the divine revelation. You're supposed to pay attention to what what the word of God says and to live by it. Now, I've got to tell you, we we can't be people who say, well, I, I I, I know what I read in the Bible, but 
I got to tell you, it's, it's uncomfortable to do that, so I'm choosing to do this. Well, I can tell you right now, you're not going to be a strong and courageous person. You, you can't wander around and say, well, I, I know what the Bible says, but, but if I do what the Bible tells me to do, I'm really convinced that I'm not going to really feel good about it. I'm going to be unhappy. Well, I can tell you then, you, you're, you're kissing strong and courageous goodbye. Because it says here in the Bible that, that, that from God's word to be strong and courageous, we, we can't deviate to the right, I guess that's to the right, or to the left. And, and I've I got to tell you that, um, that I, I'm surrounded by people who right from the first page of the book start to deviate to the left and the right. They read the first verse in the Bible of God's word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they're like, ah, oh, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, in fact, I, I'd rather find out my information by digging a hole in the dirt and see what some fossil preaches to me. And so they try to find all kinds of different reasons or possibilities or plausibilities why, why that can't possibly be the truth. And then they decide to navigate their life that way and say, you know what, I'm a really discouraged and fearful kind of person. You got any ideas why I might be afraid? Yeah, I have an idea. You're not living by the book. I had a lengthy debate with some youth in the Church of Turkey. It was very frustrating to me, i got to tell you. And um, if they're okay, yeah, well, maybe God started things off, but it's obvious that evolution took care of the rest. Well, I'm telling you, I just, I, I just wasn't a good guest at that moment. I lost it. I, I was like, what, what are you talking about? Are you kidding me? Said, have you never read in God's word in, in chapter 2, verse 1, what it says? It says there that thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. And I decided to look up that word completed to make sure that I was on track. And that word completed is the Hebrew word kala, which actually means that it is fully completed. In fact, it, it, it's the word that it's a, it's a full end finish. It's um, a word that would be used, and there were other ways of saying finished or complete. It's a word that means that, that he kept adding until he was finished. In fact, it distinctly means, if you look up the definition, that he didn't begin a process and let it go on on its own. But in fact, it means that he didn't come to a certain point and stop, but he... He actually added until it was complete in its vast array. We're not people of... I I told these Turkish kids, I said, we're not people of observation. We're not people of scientific debate and man's conjecture. We are people of revelation. We are people... Who hear from God. We are people who have the written word of God. That's who we are. And that's how our life is directed. We don't turn to the left or to the right. We don't go flying off on right wing extremes, nor do we go off on leftist extremes. We are called to be balanced according to the scriptures. You'll find this book a very balanced book in terms of wisdom and life direction. Why? 
so that you may be successful. That's the result. Don't turn to the left or the right, that you may be successful wherever you go. This word successful is to have success or to act prudently. How do I need to live? Don't go to the left or the right. We don't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or or sit in the seat of mockers. But our delight is in the law of the Lord. And in it do we meditate both day and night. Psalm 1. And he goes on then to say, and here's the second, do not. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. So the second part of this is do not skim over, rather mull over the word of God. You know, we all know that a good little Christian reads their Bible every day. So sometimes we get into this thing, well, I did my Bible reading. I got to get my Bible reading done. So we read our Bible and say, there, it's done. That's definitely not going to give you strength and courage. That's not what we're being taught here. And, and by the way, this do not is the, um, is the real, it's such a strong negative that it's a strong positive. It's like, um, I can't not be John's friend. Like if, I, if I said that to you, right? If I said, I, it's, I can't not be John Locke's friend. That, you, you would pick up, wow, that's, he's, that's a strong positive. He really wants to be John Locke's friend. And that's what this is saying to us. It, it's like, it, he says, I can't not meditate on the Word of God. I have to meditate on the Word of God. I have to let it soak in. I, I, I can't leave the house or rest until I think Bible today. This is not, I prayed about it. And prayed about it does not supersede, thus says the Lord. Do you understand that? So that you will know, see what it says here? So that you will be careful to do everything written in it so that you will know what to do and do it for the purpose it's a result of action of action uh, too often we embark on the day and i hear people embark upon projects and say well I, I prayed about it well you know praying about it might mean you just told god what you want to do that's what a lot of our prayers are oh by the way i'm going to let god in on what i actually want to do it I don't really care what he thinks about it or what he's going to say about it. I think I'm going to tell him what I want to tell him. Praying is a one-way street unless you're actually listening to God. And where do we listen to God? Meditating on the Word of God. I want your scripture. Praying about it's not enough. I want to know what God said in His Word. How are you directed specifically from His Word? Because keep in mind our theme, strength and courage. How can I be confident, secure, courageous, strong? How can I look you in the face and say, I know that I know that I know that I know this is what we need to do. I have God's word on it. The leader of Israel, by the way, had no claim to new revelation or conjecture or opinion. Now, by the way, I know I give you lots of conjecture and opinion, but that's all it is. It's just Rick's conjecture and opinion. The only time it has any authority is if I'm actually showing you from God's word and you're hearing God's word. That has authority. Everything else is, maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. But this is always right. 
And so um, the leader, he had, no, he had no claim to New Revelation conjecture opinion. His authority to lead and source for his leadership was the words of, from the mouth of God into his mouth, into his heart as he mulled over it, into action as he lived it. That's how the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, um, conversance then with the word of God will, uh, will give you the inner power that, 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 that you can carry out su- successfully what you were spe- spe- specifically designed to be and what you were specifically designed to do. That's what he means by prosperous and successful. The Lord brought us into this world with a purpose to be prosperous and successful. To um, acquire everything that he wants us to have spiritually. To have the fullness of Jesus. That's what this prosperity and successfulness means. It doesn't mean you're going to be rich necessarily, material-wise. The prosperous and successful heart is one that follows God. Then... um, Of course, if you find yourself still living in the twilight zone of second-guessing your actions or insecure about your decisions or afraid to risk conquest, then maybe it's because you haven't paid attention to the Word of God in your life. God's marching orders will grant you unbeatable courage and undefeatable strength. That's the promise here. That's what he's saying here. And then he says this. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So the first is the first confidence builder is that you're living by the book. And the second confidence builder that I want to look at this morning is that you know you have a divine escort. And that you will finally believe it in the darkest moments of your life, in the, in the, in the perplexing times, in the times when you're, you, 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 you are so frustrated and and, 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 and opposed, and the opposition is arrayed around you and trying to discourage you, that you will finally believe that you have a divine escort. I will never leave you or forsake you, the Lord God says. This word believe, by the way, in English, was derived from a Saxon word, which was really two words, live and buy, which is really fascinating because when we think about believe, we almost always fashion it into our intellect and say, well, I believe that. But, but the words Genesis came from live by. And so the idea of believe, you don't really believe something, in other words, unless you're living by it. So to finally believe in the word of God as my directive to live by the book and to finally believe that God is really with me are the two pillars to strength and courage. I remember the, um, the first day I walked into this building to act- as actually uh, to come here and work. And uh, I was terrified. My knees were knocking. <clears throat> I met Neil Rempel. He was the chairman of Deacons at that time. He met me here. You know, Neil's such a great guy. I mean, he made me feel really, really welcome and better and all of that. But I was still terrified because I'd come from little old Chatham and uh, moving up to the, uh, the, the big Calvary deal. And um, I walked in, and I was like, oh, this is, this is scary business. And, and I was, so I was terrified, but I was also discouraged. 
Because I was suffering from uh, separation anxiety from a flock of people I just loved to death. And, and that's tough. It really, it, so the combination was kind of a mixture of weird emotions. And uh, I just remember how I was feeling. And then the next day, Pastor Wally takes me visiting to the hospital to show me the ropes and how things work. And, and uh, as we were at the hospital, two jet planes plow into the, the uh, World Trade Center. And the whole world changed. I thought, Mike, this is like, whoa. Do you know what? Strength and courage came and comes and continues. I, I always repeat to myself, but God is with me. But God is with me. This is huge. This is big. This is scary. And, and there's no way I can do this. But God is with me. I, you keep reminding yourself, but God is with you. And that's what Joshua is, is being told here, that, that I was with Moses and I'm going to be with you and I'm going to be with your people. And when I tell you to go big, I'm telling you that I'm going with you and I'm bigger than your big that I'm telling you to go big on. And, and so go to know that you have God with you. That What will counterbalance the danger and the risk? It's God. What defeats circumstances that try to discourage you to quit? It's God. And by the way, lest you feel like uh, I, I love the flock to death in Chatham, and I just moved in here and was able to love a new flock. And so I have two flocks to still love. They love each other through to eternity. So you, you um, because the Lord, your God, will be with, with you wherever you go, our confidence for courage is God. I regularly have to say to myself, and this is a, uh, an important um, realization for me, is to remind myself, and I say this to myself, the Lord of heaven and earth is with me. Kind of puts a, a, f- a final period to every terrifying moment, don't you think? It, it was kind of neat because on this... Um, this sabbatical time, uh, I received a couple of notes from two of our young adult group, and they both actually came out of Joshua chapter 1, which was rather uh, cool. And one, one guy's only been a believer for a couple of years, and he emailed me before I went in the sabbatical, and he just said, I just wanted to tell you what, I was, what God laid on my heart um, today in, in, in my devotions. And, and it, was, uh, it was Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Park that verse in your heart. You need that verse. You need that truth all the time. And then from, from one, another of our, our young ladies and the young adults, she sent us this along in our little care package. You open it up and... And uh, just be strong. It was just at the right time. God is with you. Before we spend some time at communion, you better not go big until you have meditated big on God's word. That's reckless. You try to take on a big project without knowing with confidence and security that it is God's project because you have meditated on God's word and you know what he wants you to do, you are asking to be very, very weak and very, very discouraged and very, very beat up.
Because this world will attack mercilessly. You better not just meditate big and not go big. What I learned out of this text is the purpose of this mulling over the scripture texts is so that we might do what it tells us to do. So the word of God always tells us to go big, go risky, go, go, to, uh, go to the projects and the adventures that are stronger than you, humanly speaking. So you can rely on God. But if you meditate big and march big, you'll be in good preparatory shape for live big adventures and battles because, as Peter reminds us, though for a little while you are in struggles and trials and tests, your faith will hold up and will prove to be worth more than silver and gold. So what should I do? Well, if you don't do this, can I recommend something to you? To start a meditate big journal and to insist upon each day answering two questions. What did I learn today from God's word? That'll force you to mull it over and not just skim it over. And secondly, what, did, what do I need to do today based on what I learned today? So we're talking about meditate and march from the mouth of God so that we can go big. Christ, the great leader, prefigured Joshua, was prefigured in Joshua. He completed, Christ completed his dangerous, scary task in total obedience for our salvation. And he calls all people to the same commission to follow him in full obedience. So my question to you now is, will you eat and drink to that commitment today so that you will be prosperous and successful in the divine mission that has set for you your inheritance. Our Father and our God, thank you for the powerful commission of God, not suggestions, not it would be nice if you had lived a life of strength and courage, but a command from the lips of God, be strong, be courageous. It's a command. And so our Father, I pray this morning as we recognize now at the Lord's table the courage and strength of Christ who through obedience to the Father took his marching orders right to the cross and purchased our salvation for us. And he calls us to trust him with a commission in our own lives to go big to obey him, to be strong and courageous by knowing that we are following the directives of the word of God and that we have a divine escort as a result of that. I pray, Father, this might be a meaningful time as we meet with Christ. Christ is the host of the Lord's table. He invites us. We recognize that. Thank you for the invitation to come. To all those who have followed you who have recognized you as Lord of their lives have turned from themselves and their sin to the Savior 
have experienced that Holy Spirit transaction of going from dead to life. May we now celebrate as your living children, strong and courageous, listening for our go big assignments, that we might do whatever you tell us to do, for ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Whenever we gather at the Lord's table, included in the celebration of what Christ has done for us is our commitment to be loyal and follow Christ as the leader and director of our lives. So when we drink this cup, we are recommitting ourselves every time to to that commitment we made to Christ at salvation. And that's why Jesus said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. Now, the only reason that, that God would tell us so many times to be strong and courageous and to fear not is because life is scary. And because we get afraid and we become discouraged and we are terrorized. The world is no friend to the family of God. Jesus himself told us that if they hate me, they will hate you too. But staying terrified and discouraged is not something that God expects of his children. We are terrorized and troubled and discouraged for a moment. Sometimes those moments seem pretty long, I know. But just for a moment. And then we are told again, do not do be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. In the terrorized places, in the discouraging places, in the places of opposition, God does not abandon you. He does not forsake you. And he invites you to be strong and courageous. It is a powerful testimony to the people outside of God who have no strategy for fears and terror and discouragement. We alone have the God who tells us, be strong and courageous. I am with you. And it is a powerful testimony and a witness to the people around us to consider the possibilities that maybe they need to investigate what makes us so bold and strong and courageous in the face of challenges. What enables us to go big when they're afraid? Our Father, I thank you for your message to our hearts today. I pray that we will apply and practically embark if we are not on a journey of, of, a, of a kind of meditate journal of what did you say to us today and what should we do about what you said to us today. Help us as a congregation to take that kind of, take the word of God seriously as one of our, our essentials. For I pray this in Jesus' name.